1: so just while we were worshiping the only thing i could i i just was seeing was this 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 a smile just a really just big smile and i don't know it was just it reminded me of just you know just god looking down and just say you know in this tour portion we talked about you know the wrestling of the angel and stuff like that which we'll get into and stuff but it's like this idea of clinging on to the lord and stuff like that and I don't know when we were worshiping today you know there's parts where it was just you know not a you know outrageous you know light show but it was very intimate and i think it was just the clinging on i just saw i think the lord just smiled Just say just the intimacy of just taking the time to spend time with him so i don't know i thought that was just really good so amen all
0: right so uh, Ben mentioned the wrestling that, that takes place in this week's portion um, as Jacob wrestled the, the angel, and we will talk about that. Now, he didn't know we were going to talk about that, but it was probably a decent assumption. <laughs> um, but uh, we, weren't gonna, we won't start out there, but we will end up there. In fact, uh, as I, during worship, there was a... Uh, Little blog post that I'd written a number of years ago called wrestling that came to mind and so we're actually going to incorporate that into what we're going to talk about today as well but I wanted to start out in Zechariah Zechariah 8 starting in verse 1 then the word of the Lord of hosts came saying thus says the Lord of hosts I am exceedingly jealous for Zion yes I am great uh, yes with great wrath I am jealous for her Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each man with his staff in his hand because of age. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in its streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will it also be too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. So when I read this passage, what stood out to me, the first thing that caught my eye on it, was the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in its streets. And if you think about it, this statement is made because there's a, there was a time when the streets weren't filled with the boys and the girls playing. And if you can imagine, really that's, that's kind of like a, it's a desolate place when you think that you don't get to see the new life, you don't get to see the joy, the gladness of the children playing in the streets. There's a hopelessness that's in that place. But yet, even out of that place of hopelessness, the Lord speaks and says, yet again, you will see the children playing in the streets, even though you don't see it now. And then he says, if it's too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, if it's too hard for them to see it because of the, the trials that they're facing, will it also be too difficult for me? He says, by no means. Because he can bring that life and bring that restoration. He doesn't say just that he can do it, but that he will do it. And that He will bring that restoration. And that he will be their God in truth and righteousness. I don't remember what song it is, but it says, He made a way when there was no way. But it's just that whole idea that God makes the way even when there's no way. And so the call for us is to be able to endure and persevere and to look beyond what we see, to take hold of Him and not to let go. Kind of like what Ben was saying. (laughs) Taking hold of Him in the wrestling and not letting go, but saying, No, no. You've said that you're going to bring about goodness. I remember your promises. I remember your faithfulness. And yet we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And what had preceded me coming to see this verse was just the question of, Are you weary? Are you weary? And does deliverance and redemption appear too difficult in your sight? You know, so those questions were on my mind, and then the Lord's like, hey, go flip your calendar. So I went and flipped the calendar, and the verse said, the city streets will be filled with children. You know, it's just like amazing how God speaks, right? If we just would open our ears and take time with him to hear what's, what's the word of the Lord today, right? So the word of the Lord today is don't grow weary. <laughs> do not grow weary. It sounds easier, easier to say than to do, right? <laughs> but we, we, we don't grow weary by taking hold of the Lord and remembering his promises and remembering his faithfulnesses and remembering, as we sang, how great he is. How great our God is. And the truth is, the redemption dra- does draw near. The children will be filled with, uh, the streets will be filled with children playing. And within this redemption, this whole portion this week is, is a picture of the redemption that's to come. You have, um, you have Jacob who's been in exile and who now has received the word from the Lord to return to his land. And now we, within this portion we see his journey back. That's part of the children of Israel being in exile waiting for the call to go back to their homeland, to, to return, and then the path that lays before them as they as they do return. And what we see in this portion is that the redemption doesn't just happen all at once. The redemption comes in stages. It's, it's a process. And we don't really like hearing that, you know? <laughs> Especially in today's society, right? I mean, everything is available at the click of a button. It's uh, instant... Uh, you know, fast food, right? <laughs> there should be an app for the redemption. That's right. Have you downloaded your redemption app? <laughs> but it's like, no, we, we want it now. But you know, our and because everything is so available on demand, our our patience, our capacity for patience is rather low. But we have to we have to grow our capacity for patience. We have to continue to walk with endurance, with fortitude, and sometimes even with wrestling. Right? And this is where my notes go crazy. Okay. (laughs) All right, so the story of Jacob going into exile and having his redemption, his return from exile, it begins with a promise. In Genesis 28, 13-15, through the scripture says, and behold, the Lord, so this is when Jacob is at Bethel and he's having his encounter with God. This is what we started out last week's portion with. The scripture says, and behold, the Lord stood above it or him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So he starts, he starts his journey with a promise. God says that he will be with him and that he will bless peoples through him and that God will accomplish what he has promised concerning Jacob. Then Jacob, of course, goes up to Laban and dwells with him for for 20 years, 14 years working for his brides, and then six years when he's serving and actually accumulating his wealth as the Lord transfers the wealth from Laban over to Jacob. And then at the end of these 20 years, again, the Lord speaks to, uh, speaks to Jacob in Genesis 31.3. And he, then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So now he's, now he's been given the directive of come back, and that's where we pick up in this week's portion. Jacob has already fled from Laban, um, Laban overtook him, as we, as we talked about last week, but did him, did him no harm. And so Jacob was delivered from the hand of Laban. But now Jacob's on the brink of crossing into the land, and his trials are not yet over. So in Genesis 32, 4 through 13, actually it's 3 through 12, the numbering always gets me off between uh, Christian and Hebrew Bibles, but (laughs) In, in this case, the scripture says, "'Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight.'" The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So Jacob's coming. He sends forth word to to Esau that he is about to come into the land, and Esau comes out with a large welcoming party. It's not so much a welcoming party, though. It's an attacking army uh, coming against Jacob. And so Jacob, in fear for his life, begins to pray. And the way that he prays, is a good model for us to follow. Okay, because when he begins to pray, one, he established who God is and what his relationship is to God, right? The relationship they've had up to this point, and he reminds God of the promises that he's spoken toward him. He thanks God for how God has fulfilled the promise thus far and all the ways that he's provided for him and the grace he's been shown. And then he makes his request known to the Lord. And in, in so doing, he concludes reminding God of the promises that He has spoken over him and that the promise is in jeopardy. So he's really kind of following a pattern that David used a lot in the Psalms of saying, Lord, you're wonderful. I'm facing a lot of trials, yet you're faithful <laughs> and, and help, <laughs> yeah, and, and please help. And that, that's what Jacob's doing here because he knows that he can't take on Esau and the 400 men that are coming to attack him, and so he's totally in a place of reliance upon God to deliver him and to bring God's uh, promises to, to fruition, and so, of course, we can do the same and consider how, you know, we, we have models throughout the Scriptures that God is quick to hear the prayers of his people, and it's his desire that the, we would bring those prayers before him so he can bring his desire into fulfillment in this world. So we, we should do this. I mean, this, this should be a model for us as we pray for our families, for our, for our community, for our nation, in really seeking God's face and declaring his goodness. Now when, as I mentioned, this, this portion talks about the redemption from the exile, and it, it gives us a model of what to expect in, in the end times. When God told Jacob to come back to the land, Jacob was the only one who was returning to the land of this whole party that he was bringing with him everyone else were people that he had gained in the exile, right? So he was bringing them back. And I feel like within that, there's, there's a picture not only of what we have today where the Jewish people would be the ones who were being called back to their land and bring with them the nations, right? But it's also a picture of, of Messiah being in exile, right? Because Messiah has gone into the heavens to await the day of his return. And in a way, being not here and not present where his kingdom will be established, he is in exile from where the promises are, but there's a day that he's going to return. And when he returns, he brings all those that he's gathered into the kingdom while he was in exile. So we have this beautiful return according to the promises, and within that return, there's a great end gathering. Of all the, of all the, of the, not only the Jewish people, but of the nations as well coming into the fullness of this kingdom. This is kind of a neat picture there. Now, when Jacob was preparing to meet Esau, right? He was relying on God totally but at the same time doing everything within his power to bring about a good outcome. Right. And so that there's an element in there that we have to be aware of. Um, I was speaking with some, some gentlemen even yesterday morning and the topic came up of well, how is it that we trust in God and go and do according to what he's said. You know, it, it, What's the fine line between taking all the matters into our own hands versus trusting in God. And it is kind of an interesting component, but I think the the fine line is both. <laughs> it's like we do what we can according to what God's enabled us to do and has equipped us to do. But then we fully trust in God to bring about the result. So we we bring everything that we can to the table but trust in God to accomplish his will ultimately. And in doing that, you know, we're relying on God for a miracle and at the same time not putting our place, ourselves in a place to require a miracle. I know we've said this, you know, probably multiple times before, but it's always good to come back to it and to think on, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to do everything we can, trusting in God to bring a miracle, but not just saying, "Ah, oh, you know, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it, and then putting ourselves in a place where we need a miracle, Right? So Jacob, he's acting in accordance with the Lord's command to return to the land. And he knows that in doing so, he's going to, he's going to face trials. He's going to face challenges. And he faces one head-on with Esau and says, Okay, Lord, you know, I, I need you to deliver me. But in the midst of it, Jacob says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to beseech the Lord to go before me. And then I'm also going to seek to reach out to Esau and make reconciliation, to bring appeasement to him. I'm gonna send forth these droves of cattle and flocks as gifts to him, such that maybe, perhaps this can change his countenance towards me, right? And but then also, he, so he takes this approach of prayer, he also takes this approach of strategy of the appeasement, but yet yeah, then also he takes strategy in dividing his, his family into two camps. Such that one could survive if the other came under attack. So, within it, he's got prayer, he's got attempts at reconciliation, and he's also prepared should battle come. So, all those components are elements of, of how we, too, prepare for, for days ahead, for challenges that we face. You know, we've, we've had times before we've talked about, well, how do we prepare? How do we we prep? And we've talked about food, we've talked about water, we've talked about security, all kinds of things, right? You know, we do all those things, never hoping to use them, but we also employ strategy, we employ prayer, right? And we seek peace wherever it is possible for us to seek peace, right? And within the aspect of seeking peace, yeah, we, we can't uh, overlook the importance of reconciliation and the need for that. Um, I had a dream earlier this week, and I can't actually remember any of the details of the dream. But when I woke up, I knew what the dream was about. And the dream, it, the, the dream was, one, uh, don't agitate your enemy. like Don't provoke them to greater anger against you. And the other was, don't drive away those who are your friends. So it's like these, these two aspects of you don't make your friend your enemy, and you don't make your enemy a worse enemy. <laughs> so, but in, in each case, it's like, the, I think the idea is seek reconciliation, seek peace amongst everyone. Because it's really easy to find reasons to divide and, and easy to let your mouth run off, and drive a wedge, whether it's against your friends or against your enemies, right? So instead, it's like, okay, what are the words of peace? What are the actions of peace that we can pursue? And that's what Jacob was doing here, even in a situation that didn't look like it could really be reconciled. I mean, it kind of looks hopeless when you think about, let's see, I've got the birthright and I've got the blessing, and Esau sees it completely as deception and has vowed to kill. But yet Jacob says, okay, I'm going to do everything within my power to live at peace, and I'm just going to have to leave the rest up to God. All right? so, so Jacob had wisdom, and he sought, he sought peace. Um, and when they came together, they were able to embrace and to cry on each other's shoulders. Now, how exactly that happened is, you know, a question, and the, the sages talk about the, the four groups of messengers that were sent from Jacob to Esau uh, were not just regular messengers, but were actually angels who encountered him and warned him not to do anything to, to Jacob, and I can't remember all the details of, of how that story goes, but if you can imagine four groups of angels going to encounter uh, Esau, that, that could, that could, that could uh, change his opinion on, on how he's going to engage Jacob. <laughs> but ultimately, in the end, God did whatever was necessary to bring Esau to the point of not attacking Jacob such that they could, as brother, brothers, embrace and in the future, together bury their father Isaac. Um, so that was a good thing. Now... Prior to Jacob crossing, crossing the water to come into the land, he had an encounter that we spoke about earlier with the angel of the Lord in wrestling. Well, I say the angel of the Lord. Even that's in dispute. But I'll stick with the angel of the Lord for now. You know, um, let's go to Genesis 32, verse 25. There might be 24. Yes, 32, 24. Scripture says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Okay, so we had the wrestling that, that Jacob had with this angel. Now, according to Jewish tradition, the angel that he encountered was Esau's angel. Um, and it's an interesting com- aspect to consider this. Um, because Esau's angel would have been, or like Esau's guardian angel would have been seen as an adversary seeking to destroy Jacob right, to take away his future, his identity, his blessing, okay? And Jacob prevailed. He overcame. Now, alternatively, it could have actually been the angel of the Lord that was there because the Scripture does state that Jacob wrestled with the angel and that he had striven with God and that he had overcome and then he says, I'll name this place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. And then Hosea affirms, too, that, uh, that he had wrestled with the angel of the Lord. But um, within this, Jacob, if you imagine him wrestling with any angel, it's an amazing feat that he could wrestle with him all through the night. <laughs> they could wrestle with him all through the night and prevail. And the tenacity that he had to hang on and to continue fighting. And then even when the angel's like, let me go, (laughs) he's like, nope, not until you bless me. I'm not letting go until I get the blessing. And, And in that... We do get the picture, as Ben talked about earlier, about clinging to the Lord in the midst of trial, in the midst of whatever difficulty that we face, and expecting the blessing can come out of the midst of that. Jacob knew that he was heading into a difficult time and difficult waters. Right? And it would have been easy for him to want to turn back or give in. Hang on one second. We have a question. Uh, do we have the mic right over here? Actually, uh, we're all over the place. Good handoff.
1: Okay, this is kind of a silly question.
0: This is kind of a silly question.
1: But what happened to Jacob's thigh? Was it ever relocated?
0: Uh, no, he walked with a limp. Forever? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, he walked with the limp for the rest of his life.
1: I was wondering about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so wrestling with the angel of the Lord is somewhat a dangerous thing. <laughs> it makes me think about uh, Chronicles of Narnia, right, with uh, Aslan the, the lion, and uh, what was it they say, Heather, about him being not safe? Yes, he's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the Lord is a consuming fire, but He is good, you know. And so, we, when we wrestle with the angel, of the Lord, uh, we may receive blessing, but we may also be changed and have memories of, of those wrestlings for the rest of our life, right? But uh, so he, but he held on, and yeah. There's definitely a message for that of the value of clinging to the Lord and not letting go. Right? In fact, uh, First Fruits of Zion had something written this week that Ben had, had noted. And what they said is, Jacob pursued a life of wrestling because he recognized that the blessing of God was worth the struggle, a thing for which Esau was willing to trade a bowl of soup. Jacob was willing to wrestle for his whole life. We learn from Jacob the value of the eternal. We learn to hold on to God and to refuse to let go of Him. We learn to refuse to let go of of Him and not to grow weary, but to maintain our strength. Um, With that, I think I'll jump over to this article that I wrote. So the setting, oh yes when I'm when I'm looking at this scripture where it says um, he struck the socket of his hip and so he dislocated the
1: socket and then it says um, the word says uh, let me go because the dawn is broken
0: and it reminds me of Yeshua on the cross that he was broken and wounded for our transgressions and the wrestling because he went down into the depths of hell to get back the keys of death, hell and the grave and and he rose again at dawn. I mean, it just all just matches together, even though he was sinless, Christ was sinless, of course. You know, Jacob was just the opposite, but how God takes
1: the very opposite things, even in our lives, and creates something
0: wonderful for him. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, it's interesting that you you note that in the connection to the Messiah, right? Uh, Because... That's that's one of the, um, well, there, there's multiple aspects to the story and the interpretation of the angel of Esau potentially being the the angel that Jacob wrestled with because Esau is known as Rome, or it's uh, Esau is likened unto Rome, okay, and sometimes Rome, uh, well, I mean Rome is often thought of as as the church in a way. And so there's a a wrestling that the Jewish people have with the church or with Messiah, right? Where really uh, the identity of Messiah has been hidden, right, just as the identity of this angel was hidden, wrestling with Jacob. So the idea of Messiah who's hidden, wrestling with the Jewish people really for blessing even though it looks like it's a, a life-threatening scenario, right? Where really the 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 apparent adversary is one who is going to give blessing in a new name, right? So there's additional connections to the Messiah of this angel wrestling with Jacob. Yeah, very good. So, <clears throat> you know how I mentioned the whole thing of actually diego said the, there there should be an app for the reconciliation right we just get it done right but we get this process and we see the the process played out in in what jacob encountered right he's told to go back he begins the return and along the way he comes and finds that laban tries to kill him and then he's not then he he survives that but now he's got esau coming with 400 people to kill him and then once he gets into the land, then he has the matter of uh, his daughter Dinah, right? And then his, his sons, Levi and Simeon, going and killing all the people of Shechem, and uh, Jacob and his family fleeing that area. I say fleeing. They were protected, right? But they left because they had become odious in the eyes of the people. God protected them along the way. But it wasn't like it was a cakewalk. Right? He, he faced many trials along the way. It's the idea that even within the return, within the redemption that is at hand and is coming, you know, both here and to come, um, it's the footsteps of the Messiah with the birth pangs along the way as we await the, the return. All these birth pangs are part of the redemption. The trials we face, part of the redemption. And we all face trials along the way. We all see difficulties, various ones. Each family, each person has their own unique trials to face. And along that way, it's important for us not to grow weary, but to remain clinging to the Lord. And so this, uh, this article I wrote eight years ago, almost today, funny enough, um, So, 2000 December 2012. uh, The setting was we were were sitting at the breakfast room table, and uh, while we were sitting there, I just had actually maybe this wasn't. I'm pretty sure this is what when this was, but I had this this thought, and. Just a whole like uh, story was playing out in my head and a whole series of thoughts. And I just felt the presence of the Lord really strongly on me to go write this. And Heather was sitting to my right. And she said, whatever it is that you're thinking right now, you need to go do. Because she sensed the Lord's presence in that moment. And I was like, okay, that's an absolute confirmation. So I went and I wrote down what it was. And uh, this is what I wrote, and uh, I felt like it, it fits uh, with what we're talking about today. It said, I am pained in many ways. I don't know what my family and I should be doing. So at this time, I had uh, left my job earlier in the year, and we were just in a time of seeking the Lord, okay? It said, I don't, know, I don't know what my family and I should be doing, and my baseline thought at this point is we should do absolutely nothing unless God tells us what to do. The past five weeks have been relentless challenges, and there's no sign of it letting up. In the midst of these trials, God is continually reminding me of his faithfulness. Maybe the answer I'm seeking is simply found in that, but I need discernment. How am I to know if the affliction we face is because we are going the wrong way or the right way? When Yeshua told his disciples to take the boat to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to pray, they encountered a great storm, but they knew they were headed the right way. But for my family and me, are we headed the wrong way, on our own way? The opposition is great, and I don't know that I know God's will. Am I leading my family to crash on the rocks or through a storm to arrive at the beach? Do I turn back or continue on? For what am I fighting? My desire is for the Lord. And what I do know is that I am not half as righteous as I have thought. As I come closer to the holy flame of covenantal jealousy, the wretchedness of my heart is exposed, and I see that I'm continually dependent on God's grace for my very being. I had always thought of Paul's writing about his struggles being a demonstration of his humility, and that we will always have room for improvement. But now I think he was wrestling with the reality of being refined by the holy flame of God's love. I like the quote of a priest in the movie Amazing Grace I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. Our hope is sure and i must press on to yeshua but what is the way lord please guide me help me to hear your voice to discern your will to follow you laying down my desires for what is better protect my family lord and bring us healing or bring healing to us as well show us the way that we will not strive in vain you are faithful i felt led to share this this morning what i know to be true is the unconditional love of our father in heaven He sees us in our trials, and his desire is for us. He is for us. He is for you today, even if it's hard to see. We need to listen to him so we can know to continue or to turn. And whatever you face, bring it to him. Lay it at his feet, and at times, wrestle. So we do. We all face those trials. And we need to believe that we'll see children playing in the streets. Then we'll see. What? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. you're good. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And uh, yeah, because God is with us. Just as he spoke to Jacob when he was sending him into exile to get a bride, he said, I'm with you. And when he said, go back, he said, I'll be with you. He's always with us, and He doesn't forsake us. Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31, the scripture says, "'Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, "'My way is hidden from the Lord, "'and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? "'Do you not know? Have you not heard? "'The everlasting God, the Lord, "'the creator of the ends of the earth, "'does not become weary or tired.'" His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That's God's call to us, right? that he will strengthen us and he will renew us, that we won't grow weary, that we will keep our eyes fixed on him so that our hope and our expectation is on the Lord and that we'll recall his faithfulness, that we'll remember what he's spoken and cling to him. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, the scripture says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. All right, so this, this is part of the call to continue in steadfast prayer, in steadfast hope. To lay hold of the promises that God has. And to say he will bring to fruition what he's said. He will bring to fruition what he's said. And even when trials come, he's going to be with us along the way. You know, after Levi and Simeon had had slaughtered all the people of Shechem, Jacob was was rightly concerned about what he was. <laughs> What he now faced because of his of his children's action, and so from there, let me see what I can find. Okay, so at the end of Genesis thirty-four, that's where Jacob says to Simeon and Levi in verses in verse thirty or maybe verse twenty-nine. I'm not sure how the numbering goes. But Jacob said to Simeon, Levi, you have discomposed me, making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanite and among the Perizzite. I am few in number, and should they band together and attack me, I will be annihilated, I and my household, right? And they said, should, should he treat our sister like a harlot, right? So they were enraged at what had been done to their sister. But then from that place, God says to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, And make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from Esau, your brother. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Discard the alien gods that are in your midst. Cleanse yourselves and change your clothes. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. I will make there an altar to God who answered me in my time of distress and was with me on the road that I traveled. So they gave to Jacob all the alien gods that were in their possession as well as the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob buried them underneath the terebinth near Shechem. They set out and there fell a godly terror on the cities which were around them so they did not pursue Jacob's son sons thus jacob came to luz in the land of canaan it is bethel he and all the people who were with him and he built an altar there and called the place el bethel for it was there that god had been revealed to him during his flight from his brother so here god has brought him all the way back to where he encountered him with the ladder that went from earth to heaven. God brings him back to Bethel where he had set up the standing stone and anointed it. And now God brings him back as he had promised. And Jacob comes and builds an altar to the Lord. But along the way, with God's command for him to go to Bethel, Jacob didn't just set out to go there. He said, we need to prepare to enter into what God's calling us to. And that's where he, he said, discard the alien gods that are in your midst and cleanse yourselves and change your clothes. Right? This, this has a resemblance to what God had told Moses when the children of Israel were around, er, around Mount Sinai. When he said, go down, tell the people to immerse themselves and change their clothes and be ready on the third day because God was going to descend on the mountain and bring them into covenant. So there was a preparation for it. So now, Jacob's saying, we're going into a new place of God's calling. So cleanse yourselves such that you are prepared to enter into this. And, you know, again, back to the whole illustration of this being a picture of the final redemption to come. Cleansing ourselves and making ourselves ready for the return to Jerusalem, right? Again, it's the in-gathering the bride being made spotless and being brought to Jerusalem where she will encounter her king. Right? So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool picture there. So we have our, our final return. or looking forward to the day in which Messiah will come. And there's a, a Midrash about the return of Messiah that I don't remember in great detail. See, and I was thinking, oh, I, I could can, I can look this up. That way I could tell you exactly what it says. And then I remembered another statement that's, you know, a disciple who has repeated his master's teaching 101 times is not to be compared to a disciple who's repeated it 100 times. Have y'all heard that one? Yeah. Talks about the importance and, and the greatness of really committing to memory what the the teachings of the Lord are such that we can recall them and use them in a time of need. So perhaps there should have been more repetition on this, but there's a midrash that talks about someone saying that he went to Messiah to ask, when are you going to return? And Messiah's answer to him was today. And so he went and waited, and he didn't come today, right? And so he, he was disappointed, and saying, well, how long do I have to wait? What is this whole today? And the whole today was understood to be, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. right? And that is, the, that is what hastens the return of Messiah, is today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but instead go and do according to what he's called you to do. right? And within that, not to lose heart, right? It's like, Lord, I did today what, what you said to do, but you haven't come, right? But the answer is don't lose heart. Continue to anticipate and say, okay, the return of the Lord is sure, and it may be today. We always look to his coming. We always look to that great redemption and the restoration that will come, and we will reap if we don't lose heart. Continue to do good and to continue to wrestle and cling to the Lord. Amen. Anybody have anything that you wanted to share? I thought like, to go along with this Midrash, this was a really cool connection because uh, we're already talking about Jacob, who the angel of Esau is, right? And where did, in this Midrash, where did he go to find Messiah? He went to the gates of Rome.
1: And that's, and that's what's really cool here. We're looking at Messiah was concealed at the gates of
0: Rome among the lepers. And he went. He went there. Okay. Yeah. So the so, midrash. He went to the gates of Rome yeah. to ask the Messiah yeah, when, when he, he would return. Yeah. 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 See. Yeah, yeah. Which is Christianity exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, see that's why you should repeat things a hundred and one times instead of a hundred times. <laughs> Excellent. I'm
2: on a personal revelation from <clears throat> our studies on Saturday afternoon about how human Yeshua was versus like. Because So I always had this um, thought that probably wasn't that hard, whatever he went through, because he was God and he knew, like probably knew the end game. But then I, as, I, as you spoke, I was thinking, maybe he didn't know the end game. Maybe he didn't know he was going to be crucified and that's how it was going to happen, like the fulfillment, or maybe he didn't know. And so when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was actually cl- like he was going, he was facing trials and he was clinging to God and probably asking like, I need more time. I'm only 30 something like this is going really well. Give me more time. I don't know what he said, right? We don't know. But it just made me think like he did exactly what you laid out today. And he modeled that. And he probably didn't know exactly what was going to happen before him. Because I always I was like, oh, he was just probably didn't want to feel the pain because he knew what was going to happen. So it was all good. (laughs) But he probably didn't know exactly. I don't know. My mind's like reeling over here.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that Yeshua totally trusted in God even when he yielded up his spirit. He's like I'm yielding it up trusting that God will accomplish. But yeah, he was like when we don't grasp his humanity then we don't actually realize how incredible his life truly was and how great his sacrifice really is. Yeah, on that same thought that you're talking about, I didn't realize, or when, you're, when he's praying, like even he asked to take it from him. Like he yes. didn't want to do it. And that's true sacrifice. Half the time we don't want to do things. Like, you know, if you, want, if you wanted to do it, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice, right? Like even he was like, I can't do this. Like, please take this from me. So how human, because half the time, sometimes we don't want to do things. We're like, I don't want to do this, but that's the sacrifice part of it. You know, too, is just overcome that. That. Yeah, yeah, I do love that. How he asked for the cup to pass from him, right? And if there's any other way, yeah.
1: So I know through this, um, from this, uh, from this discussion that we've had and everything through this process. You know, like one of the things is weariness and stuff like that, and how that's a threat, you know, to us because in the same sense as we walk through this road and stuff like that, you know, weariness can really drag on you down and just really get you to a place of depression or a place of loneliness or a place of just completely isolating yourself from God. But the one thing that I've realized is this, is that, you know, through the, through your teaching today, Chris, was that, you know, when we do cling on to the Lord and stuff, even when we're weak and we're weary, there's there's a fulfillment that's happening through that process where God's saying, you know, just hold on a little bit longer. Just hold on just a little bit longer and hold on just a little bit longer because you don't know what's coming around the corner. Right. And as you hold on to the Lord and stuff like that, again, like I said, that envisionment of that smile and stuff like that, just he's just saying, good job, good job, just stay a little bit longer with me, just stay a little bit longer with me. And then finally you cross that line and he goes... Now let me show you what I have to show you through your due diligence and staying like that. And I think that's one of the things where, you know, that's when blessing comes through because you also mentioned the sense of clean, you know, of cleansing yourself, you know, enter into the presence in the process of being weary sometimes as well too. It's just like, you feel, you feel dirty in a sense, you know, you feel, you feel broken. You feel like, man, I've got nothing. I can't enter in God's presence in this process, but as we cling on and we work our way, he's cleansing us through his process. And then we're able to really walk into that fulfillment and stuff. It's just something that, it's just a beautiful picture. Yeah, so. It is.
0: Amen. Yeah, on the, on the storyline, it says that when they went to the city, they went out with all the bounty, because they have killed all the men, but they left alive the women, and the children. Uh, and all the stuff that they took out, in the midst of that were the idols that uh, Jacob was selling them to get rid of. Because a lot of the bounty were made out of gold and silver and they fashioned it into idols. So they took that because it was of value uh, as far as gold and and silver. So that, Jacob says, get rid of all that. Uh, um. Yes, excellent. Very good, thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, even yeah, so, I just wanted to say it again. You know, just kind of wrapping up. It's the aspect that the city, the streets of the city, will be filled with boys and girls playing in the streets. Right. The hope of that, um, and just wrapping up again, just with Zechariah eight. The Zechariah eight concludes. Verses, uh, verse 21 through 23 says, And the inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. You want to know who that Jew is? It's Yeshua. Yeshua. That's right. (laughs) Amen. So that's great. Um, So let's pray, and then we'll have a couple of announcements. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are our strength when we're weak. Lord, that you are good and faithful. You never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, that we would be able to hold fast to you, that we would cling to you, that we would see your goodness. Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear your voice, that we would follow after you wholeheartedly. I ask that you would guide and direct our steps this week, and that you would be with each and every family. Lord, that you would bring health and wholeness. Lord, that you would put protection all around us, and that you would establish your ways in us. We give you thanks in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas.